now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, the First Order captures the Resistance pilots with a connection to Captain Doza and Tora, their wife and mother, Vanessa Doza. There will be mom lectures, gourd cakes, and Doza endangers hundreds of people's lives for a sweet 16 party. We're talking about Rendezvous Point this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks that, like, dude, like, I know it's your daughter's birthday and you want to see your wife, but, like, you endangered, like, hundreds of people for this. Yeah, and it's like, and it's, and for nothing, sort of nothing, actually, actually, like, it, it, it. Served Nothing a, for them. It served it a greater purpose in the end that he doesn't even know about yet. But, um, yeah, and, and and like, and I and I was thinking about it because I what didn't think it all the way through when we were talking about it last episode, and I was like, well, he do, did it every year. Why would this be different? And it's like because they're on the run in space. That's why it would be different. They're at war, being actively hunted yeah, by the yeah, first yeah. order. <laughs> They're, they're trying to stay hidden instead of being like in a place where they wanted people to come to buy gas. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Like, I was just imagining, like, we see it from the, like, their point of view and Benice's point of view and the Ace's point of view. But can you imagine, like, Orca and Flicks, like, huddling in their little shop, hearing all these battle sounds outside, like, please don't die. I'm like, God, these poor people. Dota, think more. Even, I, I think if the setup was slightly different, like if Venisa contacted them and sent them the coordinates so they weren't, you know, putting out a beacon for her, that would be a different sub, like a different direction because then they'd be waiting well, for her. I, I want to put, put out a series ending question. Okay. Why are they, why, why, what, what is their, what is their, um, what is everybody's stake in staying on the station at this point? They because they were all registered by the first order. That was the whole point of season one. So even if they leave, and the first order controls the galaxy now because the government is gone. So like if they are met by a trooper on like random Joe Schmo planet, all they have to do is run that person's name, and they would come up in their system and be sure right, future. Right, 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 right. But there's ways of like like say they could um. They could get in a couple. Uh, Doza could meet up with the rebellion somewhere. Get a, or not even the rebellion, or not even Doza. You could find probably a, all the pirates, <laughs> and a, like the pirates could say, anybody wants to join the pirates, come out with us. We're not registered, and we we ain't gonna be hanging around because at this point everybody's a fugitive. But they're not only a fugitive; they're a pursued fu- fugitive on a ship. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they're free in the galaxy, they could change their name, maybe register under a different, 
you know, get some be- get some get some shady paperwork and go and be like, I want to get my code now and get it under, you know, the name Ziggy McGiggy, the space alien, the you know, the third. That's and what Niku's name would be, Ziggy McGiggy. Ziggy McGiggy. Hello, I am Ziggy McGiggy, and this is my friend Bebo. (laughs) I just think of that because that name, I just realized why that name popped into my head, and it's hilarious, because there used to be this show called Bullshit with Penn and Teller, and they had a show on Stranger Danger and how, like, it isn't really, like, it's actually safer for kids out in public, and it had a story of this woman in New York City, and her kid's, like, eight years old or nine years old or something, he's like, I want to... I want to someday just, I want to take the subway home myself. I want to navigate home myself, you know, from Manhattan. And she was like, e. and then she was like, well, you know, yeah, you know, he's smart and he's a smart kid. He should, you know, give him some. And she wrote, she was like a reporter and she wrote an article on it and everybody yelled at her for letting her kid, but the kids, but her name was Skinizzy and her son's name was Izzy Skinizzy. <laughs> one of the greatest names of all time i would like that kid's going put that no wonder that kid's got got a uh, gumption his name's izzy skinizzy <laughs> and he likes to get busy oh he's a child well, probably not, not now, anymore but... this that that show is like 12 13 years old now so izzy in the skinizzy. context that you presented it he easy there yoda yeah. <laughs> well, he likes to get busy building Legos and playing. There Minecraft. you go with okay. his tinker toys. Jeez. I guess though, um, to to finish answering your question, I think there is a part of it though where the Colossus is just their home. They live there. It's their house. Yeah. Um, and I and I, so I do think that keeps a lot of them there, which is they're like you know if we can stay away long enough, this thing will blow over and we can just go back home. So, I know for Z, like, she was getting ready to leave, but that's still her business. It's not an easy choice just to leave. Yeah, I would have been, like, I, I mean, if I was in that, if I was just in that position, just generally, like, the way I've <laughs> followed life is I would be, like, okay, we're at a, we're at a crossroads in life right now. Time to, you know, you know, when, when, when you know, wherever you're at the new job and someone's like, how did you get here? It's like, well, then the war hit and blah, blah, blah. I <laughs> <laughs> fake papers and came here. I just think that's how it would play out. Like if it was like, quote unquote, no. real life or something, you know, but but I don't know. That just that just sort of like popped into my head the other day. I was just like. They could just like scatter around and they'd probably be less likely to be caught dude go to coruscant it has like five thousand levels to hide on yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and they all have like everybody there is probably has like skills you know they have specific you know um useful skills on a, now, on a working class level so they could go into the lower levels of coruscant and i i get the feeling that coruscant is like the most like super expensive to live on um, even down in the lower levels, which are like trash and where, you know, all the bad people live just to get to Coruscant is probably like moving to LA. Right. No, I, I would think like you would have to have, you would have to have connection. You would have to have friends in Coruscant or something, mm-hmm. somebody, somebody to get you a foot in the door and the foot and the foot in the door would be like, 
you would have a, a broom closet to sleep in in the, that, in the garage. That is true, you know? actually. Because in the Thrawn novel, when Governor Price first moved from Lothal to Coruscant, she stayed on a friend's couch for months. Right, because right. Because she couldn't afford her own place. So, like, she, she went, maybe, or maybe she had the spare yeah, we room, saw but, like, she places. had to stay. She had to we stay s- with somebody. We saw well. Everybody we knew in the in the prequels in Coruscant was rich, so we yeah. saw where they lived, and that 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 stuff was all like. And then we get down to like the Martez sisters, and it's not. Right. That's the that's the sleep in your sleep in your bunks in the you know in the break room lifestyle, yeah. which to me is an attractive lifestyle. I like it. <laughs> You know, I would love to live like in where whatever, you know, some lab where I worked or whatever, you know, and get up in the morning, have some coffee, work out a few cars. All very convenient. You know, you're just paying one rent. You would absolutely love to work for a year on the Colossus, man. I would. I would. I would totally I would totally dig that lifestyle. I would love it, actually. I wouldn't mind it if I could have like a room outside. Like, the, like the fact that like Kaz and Niku sleep in the shop. I'm like, I would need slightly more privacy, like a door. I just, I would need like a door. And then, well, then, yeah. Then I'd no, you would, you would, you. I mean, we never see what Tam's um setup is, but I'll bet you it's something like that. You know. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, episode. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Now, I should say, guys, you should hang tight because we do have a guest announcement at the end of the episode. But you're going to have to hang tight to see who it is. All right. Well, rendezvous point. Did you like this one? I like. Yeah. Yes, I did like this one. I have I have a few little little. uh, You know, things to, to mention it, but in general, this was more on track of what I wanted, what 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 I've been waiting to to get. Like, well, we got Tam in this episode for yeah. one. That's that gave it. A, and that what happens with Tam is a solid, you know, moving for like it's a very very well thought out, you know, step important step in her arc. Yeah. And. Uh, and that's what I've been waiting for. And and it was it was short, but it was exactly what was needed in this episode. And it and I'd forgotten that this episode went there. And I, and watching it again, I'm just like, ah, perfect. This is this makes perfect sense. This but I won't my, say why till later on. Till like yeah, three. This might be my favorite episode of season two so far. Oh. Um, and honestly, I was looking at my notes compared to, like, my last few weeks of notes and stuff like that, and my notes are com- much more and, like, completely different, and yeah, so. <clears throat> Ready to get into it? Yes. Ron- uh, the rendezvous point is the, I think it's actually just rendezvous point, not the rendezvous point. Uh, rendezvous point is the 29th episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on November 24th, 2019. It was written by Jennifer Corbett, and if that name sounds familiar, she is the head writer of The Bad Batch, and this was her first piece of work for Lucasfilm. Oh. Yeah. And, the dire- and it was directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. 
Vanessa Doza is voiced by Tasia Valenza. Her other works include Metal Gear Solid, Ozzy and Drix, and she was the voice of Shock T in The Clone Wars. Vanessa, uh, Vanessa's X-Wing design comes from Bill George. George was a model maker on Star Wars Return of the Jedi and has since contributed to many Star Wars projects. Vanessa's X-Wing, uh, I can't say X-Wing tonight, apparently. Vanessa's X-Wing has a very unique design, most specifically the canopy and the proton torpedo tubes, which are normally on the body, but hers are on the wings. Her X-Wing, like her droid torch, are custom hot rod versions that she chop shop together herself, much like Taurus Racer and the droid and the droids are custom designed. Vanessa, along with Torch and her X-Wing, were designed to look like she's been using the same equipment since the Return of the Jedi era, where she was a fighter pilot at a young age. And finally, when Vanessa mentions that she and Torch escaped from T-Rex, she's talking about a person, not a place. Agent T-Rex was a deadly agent of the First Order Security Bureau and was one of the main villains from the Poe Dameron Marvel comics. I heard his unit was always shorthanded. <laughs> I was wondering how you would make a dinosaur joke. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Thank Chris, you. What's the I'm old enough to be a dad. I can do the dad jokes. Yay! Now. That was great. You know who's also old enough to be the dad? Yoda, you're the father. No, Maury. No! <laughs> you are... Not the father. Do you see these? You see these sad tadpoles? Are these tadpoles yours? Do you see this egg? This egg could be yours. That chance. <laughs> At your age, you're just shooting blanks now, right? No, me, you do not. No, me, you do not. <laughs> Well, hello, Yoda. Yes. So, I thought, dear listeners, that we would do something slightly different with Yoda this week. Instead of our normal Yoda question, we're going to take a break. And I decided to do some Googling. And I looked up a list of the most disgusting sounding words in the English language for Yoda to read for your listening pleasure. Hmm. Yoda's going to do a reading? Mm, <coughs> I have the list right there for you. Mm, allow Yoda to clear his throat and have a sip of some nice thick gorg juice. Ooh, gorg juice! Ugh. <coughs> ah. <coughs> Moist. A gorge. Phlegm. Postule. Puce. Daddy. Smear. Squirt. Munch. Mm. Bulbous. Secret. Mmm, panties. Slurp. What, what was that, that third one again? Flagum. Mmm, 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 mmm. 
Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. Yoda. Can I go outside, Daddy? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's smear. Smear. Should we put a warning before stuff like that? I don't know, listeners. It would. Do you want to be warned about that in the future? Do people need a moisture warning on some of these words. <laughs> Moisture warning. Moist words coming up. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's too late now. Sorry. Let us know in the future if you want warnings for moist words. <laughs> but we never like, claimed. To, we've. I'm sorry. We've always claimed to be classy. So. People like with their headphones on, like throwing up in their mouth and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that our work here is done. <laughs> anyway, Act One. Yes. Oh, I know. There's. A, oh, you had engorge, but you missed disgorge. That's one of my favorites. Disgorge. I actually just I, I googled a list and p- pulled them from like about four different websites of like because some of these like moist was on like every single one. Apparently, that's the most hated word in the English language. I know. For some reason, it really freaks people out. It does not my stepsister. Like, she she can't. And and actually, the guy who used to work in the store next door to me um, was scared of the words moist panties. So, like, he just... <laughs> well. <laughs> and so, our manager at the time bought a... They were clean. A brand new piece of underwear from, like, Victoria's Secrets and wetted it down and gave it to him. And damp- dampened it and... Yeah, it's like, in the bathroom. Not, like, with his stuff. Like, just in the sink. <laughs> There's a lot of ways that could have, like, come out wrong. And uh, so... Because we had, a, like, a little practical joke um, war with the suit store next to our comic book store. So... <laughs> That was one of them as we gave this. Involving moist panties. That, that was that was kind of the one that got us all in trouble. We were like, we need to stop this. That was kind of the height. Sam was like, I'm done with this joke war. Yeah. It was just like little things like when we would like pass by, like we would like turn each other's mannequins around, you know, like, you know, harmless stuff. But yeah. that manager sucked. She was kind of an asshole. And that was what kind of got us all in trouble. So you got to watch out for those anti-moist panty managers. Mm hmm. Anyway, Act One. Act One. We open with the Colossus. And oh no, it's under attack. Pew, 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 pew. And everyone's like, why are we just sitting here in space with the Star Destroyer shooting at us? And there's TIE fighters everywhere. What's going on? Hey, Captain Doza, can we come home? Why are we here? And they're all waiting for a very specific pilot. And when I say we are all waiting, we all are waiting, which is very difficult to say. It's actually Captain Dad. Captain Dad Doza is just waiting for a very specific pilot to arrive at this at this meeting point. But everything's going to hell. They're losing their shields. It's all about to be bad. And finally, Tora calls her dad. And she's like, Dad... I'm sorry, but we're all about to die. I I think we need to go. Oh, oh, there we go. I felt it coming. And I think we need to go. So Doza gives the the command for the aces to land, and they get out of there, and Captain Dad is bummed out. And just the moment they jump to hyperspace for safety, 
literally the next fucking second an x-wing comes out of hyperspace and it's exactly who they were waiting for because it's Vanessa doza emmanuel's wife and torah's mother and she shows up and she's just like oh hey there's there is a battle. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, we are here. We're here. Look at all these TIE fighters. This is very nice of them. Okay, let's just, you know, turn around and get on out of here. And right, Torch and Torch is just like, beep, 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 beep. I'm a really cool droid. She's like, yeah, you are. Let's go. But she gets stuck in a tractor beam, and they get pulled into the Star Destroyer. So Venice is like, ah, fuck. And so as they're getting pulled in, she's like, how do you want to play this Torch? And Torch is like, beep, beep, beep. And she's like, good plan. So when she gets into the hangar, there is my dear sweet Agent Tyranny glowing because she probably just stepped on Pyre the night before and had like a great time doing it. And she looks great. And Vanessa gets out of her thing, her X-Wing, and she's all like, hi, you must be the evil lady around here. And she's like, hi, I am the evil lady. Who are you? And Vanessa's like, I don't know. What's a name? What is, you know, a rose ever so sweet or whatever, you know, space Shakespeare. Okay, let's do this. And Vanessa's like, cute. And I'm just here for these ladies because they're both fantastic. So, Charity has them take Vanessa away. And Vanessa's like, oh, wow, look at the Star Destroyer. It's really big. And in the hallways as they're passing by, we see Tam. And Tam is walking along with that bitch, Rucklin. And Rucklin's like... That's the resistance pilot that apparently was meeting the Colossus. Therefore, she's evil. And you know what, bitch? Like, you're really the evil one in the room, and you kind of suck at it. She got, like, blown up, like, five times. Shut up, Rucklin. Just shut. I see your face. I just want you to shut the fuck up, Rucklin. Like, God oh, damn. Oh, man, we like, came are... so close to him getting shot. So close. So close. Just fucking, just die, Rucklin. No one likes you. Because it's not even like Tarkin. Like, I love to hate Tarkin. I love to hate Tarkin. Like, he's like such a good villain. Like, Rucklin's just here and he's Tarkin's just... Tarkin's old and he's learned. He's He's got a, a, a an evil. He's got the evil patina. He's worked it into a classiness and yeah. he's good, good at it. So, yeah, Rucklin... he's awful. He's awful, but he makes you enjoy being awful. Rucklin, you just want to you want to give him a swirly in the toilet and be just like yeah. fuck off man fuck off man like i just see him and i'm just like you just look like a runny piece of diarrhea like just go somewhere else Rucklin. and that's how tam looks the entire time she's just like why are you still here and tam sees vanessa and she stops because she thinks that vanessa looks familiar like she's like she's seen her before but she can't put her finger on why during all this as Vanessa's getting captured. The aces, back on the Colossus, are all just like, fuck Doza, why is he here? Like, why did we almost die? Like, what was the point of all this? And Tora goes into a rage, and she snaps at them, and she's like, you don't understand what our family goes through all the time to put food on your tables and to keep us all safe, and how fucking dare all y'all? She storms out, and Kaz is like, Oh, that was that was more than a normal rage. So Kaz goes to talk to Niku about it. And Niku's like, no, that is actually very normal for her about this time of year. Every day on this day, Kaz, like, she goes into a rage every day on this year. And he goes, no, she just acts different. Her and Captain Doza always leave. 
on this day for some strange reason. I don't know. It's almost like this day falls on the same day every year, and every person on in the galaxy has a day similar to this where they just do special things on a certain day. I don't understand it. And Kaz is like, huh. And he puts together that this all started about the time that Leia Organa joined, uh, formed the Resistance, like, six years ago. So he decides to go off and talk to the Dozas. When he gets out to there, Yeager's up there, too. And Kaz is like, I get what you're doing. And they're like, why are you here? We're having some emotional problems. Can you leave, Kaz? And he's like, no, Dozas, I'm here to help. I'm going to get you in contact with the Resistance. And Tara's like, we're not trying to find the entire Resistance. We're trying to find my mom, Vanessa, who got captured in this episode because she didn't got she missed us by literally fucking one second. Bum bum bum. End of Act One. <laughs> what did you think? Well, you should know how to take it up. <laughs> Synopsis out. And then over. Bum bum bum. Well, normally, like when I ended it, I, cause I, I since everything is kind of split between the Colossus stuff and the Vanessa and Tam stuff. I, I just kind of put all the Colossus stuff together, and I put all the Vanessa and Tam stuff together. So, like, all the cliffhangers were actually with Vanessa and Tam. <laughs> so, that's going to be like that. Like, every episode, I'm just like, and they're just kind of sad about it. And of act two. <laughs> and everybody sits down. Bum, bum, bum. Um, they, um, have, they have a conversation. <sighs> memory check. Have has anybody used Castastrophe before? Hype has. Hype came up with it. Um, okay. It was in the episode where Kaz becomes ah. an ace, and he has to be Hype's wingman. Okay, because I thought to myself, I, I that seems familiar, but I couldn't remember, and I'm like, they couldn't have taken two seasons to come up with Castastrophe. It has yeah, to have been used before. Yeah. Um, I I always think. The fireball looks hilarious with Kaz. Kaz looks in in the fire, but the fireball always looks so bulky when it's out fighting and stuff. And Kaz looks like when when we were kids, like if somebody's somebody had to borrow like their older brother's bike, so the bike is like six seven inches taller than it's supposed to be, and they have to you know they have to ride this big old bulky bike around that their feet don't even touch the ground in. It just seems like Kaz would seem more at home in like an A wing or a or an X wing. I've been I got my um I I, fought, I we went by a garage sale and I got like a a forty inch television for ten dollars. Oh wow! And and I hooked up and I and. It doesn't. I was gonna use it for my computer monitor, but it looks like crap as a computer monitor. But it's really good for all our old. I just had my N64 hooked up to it, so I was playing <laughs> Rogue Squadron. So now I'm like, now I can, now I can be like, Kaz would be better suited in an A-wing fighter, <laughs> smaller and faster and sportier. I just. Yeah, think- but I, I kind of, I like how you described that because that really is sort of what it was. Like that was supposed to be tan ship, so it's probably more adjusted for her. It just uh, it looks it doesn't look like the right it doesn't look like a fighting ship. It just it, it well it's it, supposed to be a racer, but to right be right right. <laughs> and but it but it's it's yeah it's the way the way it's designed makes it look bulky and heavy compared to you know Tie Fighters and X Wings flying yeah. so I just thought it was it's just funny. It's just sort of like he's 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 in you know he's he's. Yeah, he's in. An, he's like in. He's in his big, well, big big sister's outfit, and it doesn't fit him, and it's it's funny. Um, my only other note is uh, 
I really like Veniza because mm-hmm. she's in in since Disney well, not since Disney, since since the Feloniverse started, since Clone Wars started, and there's been more female action characters introduced into the into the into the Star Wars canon. Veniza Doza's like the most naturally fit, and and I I think there were like it, like it, the last episode I can't remember her name the the Indiana Jones. Oh, Mika Gray. Yes, I think both of their characters like instantly I I liked both of their characters because they are they 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 are they're seasoned into their their characters you know mm-hmm. they're 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 we're not watching their arc as they're they're making you know they're they're cutting their teeth and stuff they've cut their teeth and they they are they are out there kicking ass and they've been kicking ass for years so but with both of them the combination of the voice acting and the writing just like veniza is like the closest to a like Han Solo character or, you know, of mm-hmm. just like competence and confidence and, and, you know, that she's, that she's acquired over the years of kicking everybody's ass. And so she's instantly like just plausible and likable. And I think a lot of it had to do with the voice actress for, yeah, for I, um... was really good. And yeah, just her character is immediate. I like her better. I like her better than than her husband and her daughter. And I like both of them. But like, yeah. I want to watch her show. You know, I you know I was thinking about this, and the the way you framed it kind of snapped what I was trying to put my finger on earlier. It would be really easy to compare her to say like Hera, but you're right. Like she's already cut her teeth. But like when we're first introduced to Hera. Some of those early episodes feels like they were still trying to figure out Hera's voice. Um, like when she says something like Hera has this like really wonky line in the first episode of like more shooting, less attitude. Or, well, or Hera's something. also also a main character, like pulling an arc in the episode, you know, yeah. and, and, and stuff of- like this, where the, this character has this luxury of just being able to like. Hey, look at this kick-ass character, you know. Yeah, but like what I mean is like uh, like especially in the Rebel shorts, like that introduced her character and those first couple episodes, like some of the lines always felt like to me of like we're writing what do you want lines to be funny, but they don't feel natural. It felt just right. like like we're going to write a witty line for this character, but like everything that comes out of Nisa's mouth sounds like it's been lived in. Yes. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. She, yeah, they, they so, wrote her but, the, the writing on her character and and the voice acting is just so smooth mm-hmm. that you don't really need much of an introduction to her. You know, you don't need much backstory on her because just the way she acts, you know, now, tells you all you need to know about her. I know? will say it's she's so clearly Tora's mother. Yes. Because she talks almost exactly like Tora. She fusses at her droid the exact same way that Tora fusses at Kaz. Like you, they did such a really good job to well, show. Well, she fills how. in a lot of Tora's character when you when you see her because yeah, Tora Tora does take after her dad, but she doesn't. But like the her stuff that she doesn't take, yeah, mom. the stuff she doesn't take after her dad 
has just sort of been there and now this fills it in without even we we don't even have a scene of them together so it's just very deftly done you know yeah because on the reverse hand that actually fills in a lot about vanessa because right. what we know about Torah, they're able to use those writing shorthands to very quickly introduce who she is, why she's like similar to this. And it's just a really good, smart use of shorthand, both dialogue and visual cues to yep. really quickly establish Vanessa. Um, and it's really just, it's just such smart writing. I, I, yeah. I, I agree. I love Vanessa's character. Like I've been yeah. waiting to get back to her because I was just like, she's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad this is not her only episode. Like, I'm just like, yes. Um, did you have any other notes? No, that's all I've got. Um, my only other notes are both kind of small. I don't know, maybe like small and a half. Um, I've always liked Torch. I, I like the fact that Torch is see-through and clear. And I like I think that's really cool for an astromech, well, astromech I, that you can see through his top and like see his gears on the inside. I just I think his design is just so great. Yes, and, and like when and I was thinking that too, and I and I realized when I was looking at your notes, like p- partly like having having torch sort of partly clear like that is very reminiscent and this would be to a lot of people who would be watching this show theoretically of like a gaming computer you know like Mm -hmm. the gaming towers that people get and those computers are always modded up and and decked out to the hilt you know with you know extra everything and they're you know and they're, they're like a hot rod you know and but all the but all the good stuff's on the inside so you want to have that clear thing to show it off and at the same time to probably to be able to check on it you know because there's extra stuff working so i think like that it was almost like i guess i'll use the 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 term coded (laughs) torch is coded as a gaming computer torch is is coded as gaming he's definitely on the gaming spectrum i know for uh I've always loved, like, when you can see through music boxes or see through watches. Yes. Like, torches exactly. Like, if I had an astromech, like, that's the astromech I would want. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, Just to be, like, watching all the gears work. Well, that's the thing is I would just want, like, because a lot of it's probably electronics, but but they do a lot of, you know, turning their head. So everywhere there was a gear to make the motion, I would have that (laughs) out there. So it would be just, like, this clockwork yeah oh i love torch he's such a cool guy um and then the only other thing and i'm gonna say this knowing and understanding that there is no time in this episode for this to happen but uh it would have been interesting if tam or recklin were in the opening dogfight against their old peers but at the same time there's a lot of emotional weight to that so I understand why they didn't do it because it it would have been like a whole thing itself. So and there's just, there's 22 minutes. There's not enough time. Right. But I'm I think that's like the one thing we're all sort of waiting on is to see Tam and Recklin versus the Colossus out in the dog fighting and and stuff like that. So this is more just of like I understand why they didn't do it here, but I can't. No, wait that's to for it. that's for down the line. Yeah, yeah I just had another. Um, little revelation. Remember at the beginning of this show, 
I was sort of like, wow, there's there's kind of too many astromech droids, you know. Let's just, you know, let's just have Bucket be the droid that does all the droid stuff in this one, you know. Just have a one droid per show. I'm gonna completely back off, uh, completely do 180 on that because I just realized the astromech droids are basically a combination of cats and dogs. They're they're your faith they're faithful pets, and everybody like. Just because everybody has a pet doesn't mean that I'm less interested in their pet because everybody has a pet. I'm equally interested in everybody's pet. And 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 astromech droids have similar personalities, but they all have, like, like cats and dogs have certain traits, but they all have their own distinct personality. So, yeah, bring it on. Have everybody have their own astromech droid. I'm down to... to to you know, have a one-to-one ratio of characters to astromech if, if it, if need be. And we all know that CB23 is the best one, though. Well, absolutely, she is. She's the best droid of the show. I like Bucket because Bucket's like a reminds me of our cat <laughs> Gringo, our street like scra- scraggly. I love Bucket. Seeing him in this episode, just kind of like bouncing through the hangar, and, just like burr, 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 burr. every time and, I see Bucket, yeah. I just smile. He's just and, so cute. You know, I don't know. Vastromech droids, you know, we're I'm gonna in my mind, I'm probably battling between R2 and and Chopper. Oh God! Okay, I, if we're going outside of the show, my favorite droid of all time is Toto 360, closely followed by K2SO. Uh. Oh, I okay. love Toto. Like, no, so the I'm moment talking I fucking saw... I'm, ta- I'm talking strictly Astromech. Okay, so strictly Astro. Ooh, that's still hard though between Chopper and CB23. Like, I really love CB23, but I also really love Chopper. I mean, he's the murder droid. Murder droid. He yes, is. He'll kill and he'll kill again. Like he'll he'll kill he'll over and over. R two so. Mm-hmm. R2 always just always gets the but R2 is almost like yeah he started it all so he almost gets his own little category and yeah so outside of R2 I probably have to be Chopper I it's still between CB23 and Chopper I just I love I love CB23 CB23 is my favorite of the Roly of the Roly type oh, oh for sure sorry BB8 <laughs> you're just kind of fine. CB23 has attitude. She puts her little robot hand on her little robot hip. Yeah. You less, don't do that. And the less talk about the rise of Skywalker. No, thank you. You might lead horses into battle, but he CB23 will fuss you with a hand on her hip. Oh. <laughs> That's her part, fighting the First Order. She'll fuck you up. So will so Hype Scatter Shade Droid, too, though. That's true. Hype droids like getting beaten, beaten at like a rap battle by Eminem or something. The image of that is great. <laughs> anyway, Act Two. Act Two. Oh my God. Uh, all right. Act Two. So Kaz has just come in. He's just all like, Burr, the resistance. And they're all like, Burr, our mom. And, well, mom slash wife. And Yeager hauls Kaz off to the side. And he's just like, 
you don't need to tell anybody about Vanessa. Because if you do, that will suck. And Kaz is like, why shouldn't I tell everybody about the spy of the Resistance? When I'm a spy, I have all authorities on spies. And Yuka's like, this is the exact reason, this right here. And Kaz is actually kind of mad at Yuka. He's like, why didn't you tell me about any of this? And Yuka's like, you know, we don't want people to die. You know, if you know about it, you die. So Yuka talks about how he and Vanessa used to, like, run in the rebellion together. They were all, like, pew-pew buddies and, like, fighting the Empire. And it was really cool. And she was actually the one that found Emmanuel Doza. And Emmanuel was just like, who is that beautiful woman over there? And she's like, hi, I'm Vanessa. You should leave the Empire. He's And he's all like, but I'm on the other side of the prison cage that you're trapped in. And she's all like, if you open that, I won't be on the other side anymore. I could be close to you. And he's just like, oh, God. <laughs> okay. So he turned off the ratio, and she comes up, and she gives him a little kiss, and she's just like... You want to join the rebellion with me? He's all like, yeah, I do. And then she takes his hand and they leave. And But we also know from future episodes that this is how Griff defected too. So Griff is like, I'll just come and be your third wheel with you. Let's go. And she helped him, Ooh, them both, kinky. I guess. Huh? Kinky. <laughs> you know, they just gave Griff a twinkie. That's, he was that's how Griff became witness to, to Tora's conception. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. You ruined my fan fiction. Did no. I? But did I? No. I was just saying they like gave him a Twinkie and stuck him in the cockpit. Oh, <laughs> like, I bet they did. Oh, 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 I don't want Griff to witness anything with Tora. Oh my God. Oh. Everybody knows what giving him a Twinkie and sticking him in the cockpit means. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> anyway, ugh, ugh, thanks. Ugh. I burp in your general direction. Blech. Give that man a Twinkie and stick him in the cockpit. So Yeager tells him the backstory. And when the First Order started popping back up again, she went off, Vanessa, that is, went off to join the Resistance once more. And it was a really, really, really super hard choice for her to make. Back with the baddies, Tam heads down to the detention center, and she acts all tough, and she's like, you there, prisoner, what's your name? And Venus like, I don't gotta tell you shit. <laughs> and Tam's like, I'm in charge here, and Venus like, oh, sweetie, you're not, but you're really cute, you know, she becomes, like, such a mom to Tam, she's like, are they feeding you enough, honey? I can help you get out of here. You know, you really, you know, this is not good for you. You know, I, let me help you get out of here and like, we can like go and get like ice creams or something. How does that sound? And every time that Tam is like, no, this is what I want to do. I chose to be here. Vanessa starts to, you know, poke holes in the first order logic. Sort of like another episode, maybe called the honorable ones from Rebels. And so Tam starts to struggle under these questions. And finally, Vanessa reveals that she knows Tam's name and that she is Tora's mom. And Tam is just like, oh, no, you're related to Tora. She's my friend. I mean, she's not my friend. I don't have any friends of the Colossus. Stop. Stop momming me, mom. During all this, 
torch was like, I am played dead. And he rolls out of the garbage pit. He's like, alright, I gotta go do shit. So Torch very quickly rolls down the hallway and he starts looking for Vanessa. And this is about the time when Tam is like, I miss my mom. Where Torch arrives and knocks Tam out. So Vanessa comes out and slaps some binders on Tam. And Vanessa takes her hostage, quote unquote. Because she wants to bring Tam back to the Colossus. And so she tries to talk some sense into Tam. You know who stupidly arrives around the corner looking like a really dumb fuck? That bitch, Rucklin. I actually laughed how he, like, almost, almost Kaz-like, I laughed and it just sort of, like, slinks out of the, <laughs> the hallway and, like, presses himself against the wall. He looks like fucking Kaz, and I laughed at him. But Kaz is so much better because he's not a space Nazi. Anyway, so that bitch, Rucklin, pops out of nowhere and he's all like, Stop, you resistance scum! And he points the blaster at them. He's like, I'm gonna shoot you. And Vanessa's like, oh, you're so cute. Look at you with your metal blaster. And so she's like, I'm sorry, but I have a Tam in front of me. This is my human shield. During all this, the heroes are doing stuff. And Cass catches Tora trying to sneak out of her ship. And he's like, I'm gonna help you find your mom. And Tora's like, my mom probably doesn't need help. She's so cool, Kaz. She's probably, like, saving Tam right now or something. I just really, really, really wanted to see her today. And Kaz is like, oh, why would you want to see her on this day that happens every year for some reason? And she's like, it's my birthday, Kaz. And Kaz is like, what's a birthday? <laughs> the end of Act 2. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I, br- I broke these up weirdly. I should have just kept all the Colossus stuff first and all the cliffhangers in the it's, end. It's funny how Kaz is like a natural at the adventure part of spying. Sucks at like human stuff. But as far as the like mental aspect of, the, you know, the the, 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 the the mental aspect of spying, he's still just a doofus. He does like he just totally doesn't understand the the uh, concept of secrets still because he's just like, why didn't you tell me about that? And it's like, yeah, why didn't I tell anybody else about you, dum dum? You know? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But yeah, I thought secrets. you were my space dad, oh, dad. Yeah, spies. That's right, spies. Yeah, danger. Okay, I get it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but uh. Most of my notes are like just visual on this. I love the the way Torch looked. Um, there's a scene with the with the Star Destroyer when they're picket when they're when they're grabbing her ship. That uh, or it's it just or maybe it just might be an introductory shot to it. But basically, you you just see the Star Destroyer from the front, but there's just this perfect, just very subtle glow of the engines you know coming you know creeping around the side of it you know like it's just a wonderful touch you know and uh you you don't see the engines at all but there's just enough you know glow from them that that it's just a beautiful looking shot and uh there's a there's a bunch of them in here my only question is like i they they just sort of they they set it up like Tora and Kaz are gonna try to go and 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 help her and I thought okay that would resolve with them showing up just in time to just do something to like 
you know, be a distraction or stuff to get her out there and then, you know, she'd be able to see. But then I was thinking if they went back to where they they were before, I, I doubt that Star Destroyer would be hanging out there. It would probably leave to go to some, you know, wherever its base was with the prisoner and not stay there in case anybody came back, you know, to attack him or something. And it's also and, not the point of the story. Right, right. Well, that's, but they, they set it up and then it just sort of gets abandoned in the story, which, it, but it doesn't matter because I, I, like at no point was I like, Hey, did, were they, did they decide? Cause you're not really sure if they decided not to, to go off looking for or decided to, or you couldn't really tell. It was just sort of left up in the air. But the way the rest of the story goes forward, you don't really think about it after that. So it does like it might have been like differently in earlier versions of the script or something. And and some of it still made it into this episode or something. But it was sort of a weird, you know, like it looked like it was going on. And it wasn't until like after I was done watching it and look and, you know, like reading our notes and go like, Hey, that's right. We're, I don't remember them going off in the ship at all. They don't at all, do they? And I'm like, no, they don't. No, and, and and I remember, I remember not remembering that during the show. So as a testament to the 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 storytelling in the show, it mm-hmm. made me. I wasn't one. I didn't think of that as like. It's not really like a, a dangling plot point or something. It's just not clear, you know. And I wonder if they did that on purpose to just sort of like, you know, leave it like that and make make you think because because when we get to act three, this sort of ends it on a on a on not a bad note, but just just a weird, you know, weird. It doesn't it doesn't wrap everything up in a in a tight bow, you but know, that's my point. like that. that here, you know, I'm going to come in because like, uh, yeah, you're actually dangling around one of my notes right now. Um, that's how my notes anyway, so we, we, we can just... Oh, okay. Um, because that's actually what I like about this episode, is that yeah, it's not too. wrapped up. Um, it's This is such a unique story for all of the Dozas. And I like the fact that the mom is the rebel pilot and the dad is the stay-at-home dad. Like, that's such a really nice twist right there, because usually it's the other way around. But I, I like that it's a family to show what happens during war when you have your family separated in that struggle. Um, you know, something as simple as missing birthdays means so much that that's a huge deal when when you're at war and wondering if you're their parents. They don't even know if Anissa is, is even alive. Well, you know, they have no in their, idea. In their relationship that's the thing that binds them i mean they, they're not estranged they're still they're still yeah. like married and in love with each other but she's doing her so thing. He's, he's, he's doing his thing but you know torah is that is the thing that that binds them together so having you know that one thing a year it gets it, it you know it combines everything about their relationship at once so that's like and if they're off doing their own thing, you gotta do, you gotta have something sometime, you know. So having an annual thing like that is probably the batteries in their relationship, you know. Yeah. So a lot of times in these stories, it's like I'm gonna like the people come home for Christmas or holidays, um, but you know, like does Life Day exist? I don't know. Well, this but is I- more akin to like 
you know, one of the one of the spouses being, you know, off in another country in the army or something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like absolutely separated by war and what that struggle looks like. But I also really like the twist that Yigru was talking about that Doza just didn't want to go back to war, which I think is kind of an interesting point. Like it's not that Doza was probably tired, like 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 cowardly. He's probably just tired and worn down from being in the Empire and like doesn't want to fight. And I, well, and I, 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 get and the, I like that. Hold on, let me finish. Um, I like that for his character. I think that's a very interesting point because you. I think that adds so much to his hesitance in season one. Is of course he wants to like protect his wife, who's a resistance pilot, and he doesn't want to out her and stuff and put her in any danger. But I think so much of it is he just doesn't want to fight and get pulled back into it. Cause Yeager was very much the same way for most of season one too. He flat out told Poe episode one, I don't want to fight anymore. Uh, Poe, I'm like, I'm t- I'm done with fighting. And they, they got pulled back into it anyway. And yeah, so I, I, well, I think that's a very interesting point for Doza. I get, I get that Doza is good at it, but I, also get that he's not a warrior he doesn't you know yeah. he's good at it but it it's not the thing that that floats his boat and you know like whereas if you're a warrior you want to be at war at all times so you're just like yeah sign me up and doza is more like a contractor you know he's very cerebral and and it's like yeah this guy really gets the stuff done but it's not like he gets joy out of it or anything. He's just really good at it. And probably having the Colossus was, you know, is it, it had enough, you know, it, it, it like made the job uniquely something that he would be good at because it had elements of stuff that he had to do in war, you know, negotiations and maybe dealing with somebody sketchy that you have to use force with or using force and stuff but for the most part it was it was like neighborhood gas station and you know he got to he got to just sort of head that and, and the in the races and stuff and it was probably just a nice gig you know i i really like that i never thought of that but that way before that he hated fighting but he was good at it and i i like that take that's a really good take. That Chris. was my dad. That was my dad with his job. He like he didn't he didn't hate it, but like I mean, he was you know, he he basically just wanted to do his own thing and could actually like support himself doing it. But he was really good at like being the head supervisor at a construction site. He would bring it in under under budget and early and everybody liked him and you know it was usually a smooth operation without people fighting and stuff and so he would just get it was it was like a stupid movie you know he would be just like i'm just doing antiques and and you know working on my working on my house out in the country and then somebody'd be like we got a job for you and then all of a sudden, you know, he was like, ah, I don't want to do it. And then they were like, ah, how about this? And then how about this? And then he would be just like, well, shit, if I get that money, I won't have to work for, you know, five years after. OK, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. And. Uh, and he would be off basically floating out of the Colossus in some trailer in Minnesota, you know. <laughs> um, And just to tie up the what, like what's going on with the Dozos. I like that this episode adds a lot back to the season one scene 
with Pyre in Doza's office. And Pyre's like, why did you leave the Empire? And Doza flat out said, you wouldn't understand. Because now we know. Like, we know why he left the Empire. Yeah. He met, he fell in love. And he met Vanessa. And now he has a daughter. And I, I like that the weight of this episode adds back into season one. It adds a lot of context to, the, to Captain Doza, who is sort of... I don't want to say a mysterious character of season one, but he was the red herring of season one. Like it was like, oh, he's the ex-imperial. Is he the res- is the first order spy? And so like it adds a lot of that context back of like, no, like the, the, this was all emotional choices and I like that. Yep. Um, I it made me sad that when Tam takes off her helmet, she's like, my name is DT five three three, and I was like, Tam, honey, you're trying so hard. Oh, honey. <laughs> I think Don't. the kids the kids these days call that cope. <laughs> She's coping. <laughs> but actually, these these are kind of like together in one thing. Um, this episode does in a lot of ways remind me of the honorable ones from Rebels. Because so much of that episode was Callus just spewing Imperial propaganda and Zeb just poking holes in it. Just being like, logic, 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 logic. Until Callus had nothing else but the truth in front of his face. And that's exactly what Venice is doing here. She like, cause Tam's like, this is what I want to do. And she's like, but do you really like, what do you really want? Well, like what, why are you here versus at the Colossus? And okay. about, I, that's the thing is, is like about fascism is if you have people that are, that have, that are, that, that are sort of have any kind of thinking, you know, comprehension or, you know, logic comprehension, they know they they see a lot of the bullshit that's going on, but there's also a lot of practicality in it. Like you know, I got to get you know get along to, or go along to get along and and stuff and and survive or whatever. Or with with uh, <clears throat> Tam, it's a combination of you know wanting to fly and and hurt feelings basically, you know, mm-hmm. or what or, or whatever. But you know, it's always you know, there's always going to be doubt in there because it's always, and you know, the the people know it's based on bullshit. So, like, there's always going to be that moment. And like, I think in shows, like in shows and movies and stuff, you know, they always have to make it a little more literal, where the person, you know, spews back some of the propaganda. Although, you know, it's not really actually that is actually kind of more realistic, anyways. You know, you're going to have that point where they're fighting to maintain you know that and enough of you know control over that 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 mindset you know because they know that they're they're wrong you know but they're like mm-hmm. no i gotta so you're always gonna have that that point where you know she she says her number and she and like to her she's thinking when she meets her when she meets Vanessa, she's like you know, she probably identifies with her in a lot of ways and and is like, I have to draw the line with this person mostly for, you know, inter- for her own internal reasons. But mm-hmm. I have to draw the line with this person where I stand and I am a stormtrooper. I am five, five, blah, 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 blah. You know? But you see her falter at the mention of Torah because Torah was her friend. Yeah. And that's yeah, where yeah. like where like Tam starts stumbling yeah yeah and and well i'm gonna skip ahead to one of my act three notes because that's a perfect that's why this is this is why 
Like that's the most important part of this episode is, and this is something I've seen play out with people all all, all my life. You know, where where in where somebody's mad at somebody or something something there's some sort of trouble amongst people who are close, and nobody's gonna talk any sense into the one person because they're 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 too involved in it even if that like even if it was like somebody that tam wasn't mad at like say niku like she was there with niku and niku's like look you know blah blah blah, you got to see it this way he's too involved in it for her to want to listen to him in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. but veniza is a third party you know and all of a sudden this third party who doesn't who's who doesn't have has a clean slate emotionally as far as tam's concerned is talking some sense into her and going like, hey, look, yeah, Jaeger was a jerk, but people people screw up, you know, and it was a mm-hmm. messed up situation. And Tim is, is Tim's got some distance on it now, and is just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you can see she plants. It, it could only be someone like Vanessa that plants the final seed, like you know, um. Kaz sending her more messages or or whatever that w- isn't gonna be enough to to do it. But but Vanessa puts the puts the the I want to say puts the knife in, but it's not. It's the opposite. She puts in you know the, what, the whatever seed. it is the, the seed that 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 breaks the spell or whatever. Yeah. So and and it could only be someone like her someone who's sort of outside of every you know outside of it but still involved enough to know who everybody is and say look yeah oh yeah they're jerks yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> have you no. met Jaeger? he's yeah, kind of a curmudgeon <laughs> yeah but it's you know but you know that stuff happens in families and stuff and and so and and with the combination of the stuff that tam has now seen on her own you know, that's enough to really, you know, really cement, you know, her her being able to leave eventually. And I, and I was kind of thinking back on the show. I know Tam has mentioned her grandfather. She's mentioned her father. And she's also, of course, has Yeager as her mentor. I have to wonder if Tam has had any female influences like Vanessa in her life. Because uh-huh. she's never mentioned the mother. She, we don't know if she has siblings. or But she only mentioned the men in her life, being her father, her grandfather, and Yeager. And I, I, have, I wonder if something happened to her mother. And maybe Vanessa is the first kind of mom energy that she had. Because it sounds like she had a... Because if I think back to season one, she said that she moved around with her dad because her dad was a racer. So that tells me it was the mom moving around, too. Did something happen? Did the dad get Tam and she never saw her mother? Like, Vanessa might be the first mom figure in her life. Well, it is the Star Wars universe, so moms (laughs) don't fare very well. So, yeah, odds are against her in that 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 category for sure. You know that meme of the old man who's kind of shrugging just says, I guess I'll die then. (laughs) Um, I've seen that, but with Padme's face, and it's like, when you're not in the original trilogy, I guess I'll die then. (laughs) I guess I'll just die. (laughs) Um, My only other note that I have is, I kind of noticed it, because when Yeager pulls Kaz off to the side, I'm like, 
Yeah, Yeager hasn't done really much this season. I kind of miss Yeager doing no. stuff. I miss Yeager doing stuff. He's, like, why, he's why sort of been sit at his sort of been his job has been to be the guy who's with, sort of like leaning against the desk with his arms crossed, yeah. you know, and then shutting up when anybody walks in with his conversation with Doza. Yeah, and <laughs> so I, I started thinking like, it would they could have at least put him in the dog fight. We know he has a fighter. It would have been, and we know he trained with the aces, and they, he's supposed to be the ace leader from the episode fucking live. I, I think they're, I think they're in wartime philosophy where where Doza and Yeager are basically generals, and it's just like you, you know, like like for a general to for a general to go out in the battlefield, it means. Either they're betraying their troops because they're putting themselves in danger or you're in the last, you know, you know, there's nobody else to go out. That's that's basically you're supposed to like that's just strategic, you know, so you always have. Then I want to see you be more active. Someone who can keep things going because sometimes you can have a great bunch of fighters, but if you don't have the the right leader, Mm -hmm. you're screwed, especially and, and. with this crew too yeah that's the 2020 2021 Atlanta Hawks went to the playoffs ah my boys I'm sorry basketball but yes I I understand what you're saying (laughs) like the whole like three people from Georgia are like (laughs) um but yeah I just then I want to see Yeager be doing like doing more stuff like maybe he's at the console and he's the one at the little gun turret shooting around or he's giving direction like hype watch someone on your tail you know you have two people coming up on like watching displays or something he just feels so passive this season yeah and it wasn't until he pulled Kaz off to the side where it kind of hit me I'm like what has he done this season this is like his first real big speech of actually doing something (laughs) and it's talking to Kaz and giving him Vanessa backstory so I don't know. I just I just miss Yeager doing stuff. I kind of forget he's there. I mean, at least Nico got a love interest. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but that's all I have for you. Do you have anything else? No. As a matter of fact, I'm reaching up on the shelf, uh, pulling down my package of prep. Uh huh. I'm getting ready. I gotta go find a puppy. I've got the puppy right here. It's on its back. It's and if you put a puppy on its back and rub its belly just right, it won't move. It's just staring at the ceiling blankly, ready to be prepped up. For some reason, I just imagine Zeb like with Callus like hand planted on Zeb's belly, and he's just like waiting to be prepped. <laughs> I'm I'm, in, I'm inserting two Slurpee straws and uh, one into each nostril so that he can breathe, breathe while prepped. That will prep. As per the instructions on the box of prep. Oh. Following the the instructions to the letter. Uh. (laughs) Oh. All right. So, act three. So, that bitch, Rocklin, is like, I got you, resistance scum. And Manisa's like, I got a human shield. And it's Tam, because she has Tam, quote unquote, as her hostage. And poor Tam is like, Please, no one shoot me. Please, please. And that bitch is like, you know what, Tam? I will kill you to get to that resistant scum. And and Tam is like, what the fuck, Rucklin? You little psychopath? What the fuck? But Rucklin falters. And Vanessa is just like, oh, 
you're so cute. <laughs> I, that means you still have a heart in there. And Mugglin's like, I've never had a heart. So Vanessa tries to mom him too, until a torch gets the door closed to separate them. And and Tam is like, Jesus fucking Christ, Rufflin, you can't even do that. You're so fucking dumb. Oh my God. Oh my God. And Vanessa's like, yeah, that guy isn't bright, is he? And Tam's like, no, no, I should have just escaped with Niku. Because my God, my God. So Tam brings up that she thinks Vanessa is selfish because she left Tora behind. But Vanessa explains, no, I'm fighting for my daughter. I want my daughter to live in a peaceful galaxy, and I'll never stop fighting for that. So stormtroopers about this time show up, and Vanessa, who is the best mom, best mom Vanessa, tackles Tam, who is not even her child, tackles Tam out of the way from stormtrooper fire to protect her, because Vanessa Doza is the best mom. And she's all pew, pew, pew. And they're all like, oh my god. And so finally Torch gets the door open. And like she hauls Tam into the hangar bay. And so they make up a plan. So Torch starts going around and setting fire to, I think, their gas canisters. I guess they're gas because they start exploding or something. I don't know. He sets fire to some sort of space gas fuel or something. Yeah. Yeah, Or like height or like oxygen tanks. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. Something volatile. Yeah, so anyway, Torch starts to fire to stuff and it starts exploding. So while shit's all blowing up, Vanessa's like, finally, she puts in the last seed. She gets in the last little seed and she's like, I, I am very sure that Yeager misses you. And Tam is just like, why would you mention Yeager? And Vanessa's like, because he sees you as his daughter. He already lost one daughter to death. He doesn't want to lose his other one. And he made a mistake. He's dumb. Have you met Yeager? All he does is lean against counters and crosses his arms and he stops talking about stuff when people come into the room. He's emotionally stunted. You gotta give him that. I'm sure he messed up. So if you'll just stay clear of the hangar, and then she stuns Tam with a blaster and runs away. <laughs> then my bitch queen, Agent Tyranny, shows up and she's like, Oh, oh, you guys are all dumb. This is a distraction. But then she falls for the distraction because Torch is pulling off his best chopper and he hops in a a TIE fighter and starts shooting things with a TIE fighter while Vanessa gets her own F-swing and she just slips out and off chaos. And Torch is like, pew, 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 and things are blowing up. And then he flies out of there with his ship explodes and he lands in Vanessa's X-wing and they're all just like, yeah, team resistance. High five! And they fly away to safety. And Tyranny and, and Vanessa's like, Peace out, bitches! And she leaves. So Tyranny is like, Tamra, come here. And Tam just slinks over like a sad child. And she's like, I'm sorry. And Tyranny's like, At least I hope you found out the name of the pilot. And Tam lies. She lies to Tyranny, and she's all like, nope, I don't know that pilot's name. Not even a little bit. Can I leave now? And Tyranny's like, all right, Tamara, but we're going to put you under a full investigation. Tamara just has this look on her face that says, I'm just so fucked right now. Oh, my God. So we end with the heroes, and all the aces are sweet babies, and I love them, and this is the shit I want more of the show. More of this, please. 
Give us season three and give us more of this shit, please. I will eat it for dinner every fucking night. Because all the aces get together and they make up like a little gelatin gorg cake. And they hold a surprise birthday party for Tora. And Tora's like, oh my god, you guys. And they're like, we love you, child. She's like, I didn't think you would care. And they're all like, you're the baby of the group. Of course we care about you. Like, we're all old asses. We don't give a fuck about birthdays. It just means we're one year closer to dying. Look at Griff. He's practically geriatric. And and look at Hype. He doesn't want to admit that he has wrinkles. We don't want to know how old we are. But you're like 16. This is a big fucking deal. Yay, Tora. And it's just so damn sweet. And oh my god, I love it. So we end with Tora going up to her father's office. And like, Emmanuel is watching this clip of like him and his wife. And they're so sweet. And they share a moment together missing Vanessa, but knowing at least they all love each other as a family, and god damn it, Resistance, let the Dozas kiss. They never once kiss in this entire fucking show, and it pisses me off. I don't give a dick. You can have Anakin and you can have your Padme making out on top of a train on the Malevolence, but you can't have a little hologram of Emmanuel kissing his fucking wife? What the hell? Let the Dozas kiss resistance. The end. You look like, you, you, you sound like Mike Tyson in that meme where he's going, <laughs> now kiss. No, it's like the little stick figure, like holding two smaller stick figures, and they both yes. look horrified, like, now kiss. I just, uh, it bothers me because... The Dozas never kiss at any point in the show. Like, they barely even hold hands. Like, I'm like, they're married at war. Well, they, like, they, they might be, they might be that sort of, they might be a very standoffish couple. <laughs> no, I want my Dozas to kiss, Cause, damn it. Because she, she's, she's an adventurer, but she's not like fiery. You know what I mean? She's got fire, but it's like, harnessed and under you know she's still very like just on the edge of being like stoic you know but uh no chris let the dozers kiss they can still kiss people like that still 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 can uh suck face i want to see them suck face actually i want to see them like 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 cute little just like "Mm -hmm." Like, hi, honey. Mm-hmm. Like, give me little mwahs. That's all I want, Lucas. I just want little mwahs. Maybe we... Mm. Little mwahs. I... Little mwahs. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we got it. We got I it. Was waiting, I was waiting for you. <laughs> sorry, we got no, it. I'm, you were saying, I'm sorry. I was being predictive. We got Go it. I'm, I'm, I was just about to launch into my notes before Go you ahead. started. Uh, <laughs> That's actually I, my last note in big letters is Lepidosis kissed. Yeah. <laughs> Tam is not Tam is not like sophisticated enough to be a like a, a sophisticated enough liar. But like what I like what I would have done differently, what I want have done differently if I is first I would have left her left her in her handcuffs when when I stunned her just to just for added added drama when she got found 
But if I were Tam, instead of saying just lying and saying like, no, I don't know who she is, I would have I would have done the lie of omission and been like, look, I did like she she came to my she came to my cell. I don't know her from I've never seen her before and didn't know her from anybody in this galaxy, but she knew my name. That's all I, you know, and that, that I would have been like, you know, she called me by name. That's very, and, and left it but at that. That, that puts Tora in danger, though. Like, like keep in mind, Tora's <clears throat> still her friend. A little bit, a little bit. But at the same time, I thought about that. But then I thought also that they would sort of glom on. This is also like something my mind came up with, knowing all the shit that they're talking behind Tam's back, too, that Tam wouldn't know, which would be like, they would be like, oh, they're the, you know, you know, she's, she's the daughter of the, you know, the guy in charge there. People want her back. Maybe we can use this to our, you know, you know, maybe people are going to come to her, which would be putting her friends in danger, but that's going to happen anyway. But, you know, it, it might just get them something to be like, oh, she might be useful because, you know, obviously she's wanted back and, and all that. That's, that's just how I would have gilded that, that little lie. All my other all my other notes are uh, shallow visual notes. I love the look of the um, it, 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 of the um, of um, what's what's Veniza's uh, X-wing. Her her engines are purple. They they look almost like um, acetylene torches or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the color purple. It, the the purple of them makes them look like they're like extra hot like she's their trick you know it gives it more of that tricked out you know when people have like the lights under their car or something yes yeah. yes but this makes me think that she's burning it's like it's like the people who get the nitrous oxide tank for their car you know she's got mm-hmm. something that's burning a little hot you know burning purple in there you know so there's a there's an extra chemical in there that's making it purple instead of white and how sadistic is a Gorg Jello cake? <laughs> happy just... birthday! Happy Happy birthday! Here's a live animal suspended in well, a. In... We know that that's food for them, though. I know, I know, but like, yeah, but the thing about the thing about Gorgs is they're just one of the. I mean, like, okay, watch. You know, the people who used to be like, oh, live food that looked like Gorgs would be like Jabba the Hutt, just like, oh, live food, jam, 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 jam. You know, but this brings it into just everybody's just like, oh, yeah, I like to see the look on my Gorg's face just before, so, I eat them, you know, maybe it's one of those things that because they've also established that Gorgs are pets with Orc and Flick. So maybe they well, were giving the thing her is, Gorgs have personalities, too. So everybody and I was gonna say, maybe that... maybe it's uh, like how they wrap presents because, you know, Gorgs are aquatic. It's probably alive in there. And maybe oh, yeah, it's like here's your cake out. and a Gorg for a pet for Buggles to, you know, swallow. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Bubbles <laughs> would swallow it. Because, you know, Hugh doesn't want his competition. There only two there are. <laughs> it only seems it only seems like Gorga and Flicks have a Gorg for a pet, and it seems like they have to keep an eye on him, too, to make sure nobody chows him down at some moment, so... You totally missed a moment to go into Darth Buggles with me. I'm very disappointed in you. Oh, well, the music's going anyway. <laughs> We never miss a moment, Hope. There's always a second chance at the Darth Buggles music coming up. 
It's whether, right whether I catch it the first time or not. Oh, it's already going. It's right now. I know. It's right here. Chris editing and just going like, oh, fuck. What did you say? Just rewinding and going, oh, yeah. She no, I'll, I'll remember. I'll remember. I always <laughs> have the Darth Buggles music ready to go. It used to be the Darth Jar Jar music. Poor used to be Allie. called. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor Allie. <laughs> and then it just stops like that. On a dime. Yep. You're going to edit it to where I snap and it just keeps going again. Anyway. Clap and it ends. Oh. Clap on. Clap on. Clap on. (laughs) Yeah. Probably shouldn't deploy that so much. You should think about it more like life alert or something where you only use it in emergencies. Uh no, I, I don't think about it at all because I'm not the one editing it, having to. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 that's what yeah. I'm trying to say, Hope. Going in and just being say. like, oh, fucking Hope. Just fuck, fucking Hope. Just putting it, okay, fuck. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to edit out swearing, at least. <laughs> I don't know how people get by not having swearing in a podcast. That's always so weird when I go on. There's been a couple times I've been on space. Wobbles. Even more so is bleeping. I mean, it's not hard to put a bleep on there, but it's just like yeah. if you were trying to bleep us, it would just be spending so much time overlaying the. Yeah. Because mm. there's been a couple times I've been on a geeky waffle and space waffles and a couple times where I'm like, yeah, and that piece of shit stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway. And it's even worse if you stop swearing and try to be like, frig that. It's, uh, it just sounds worse. Yeah. Anyway, hey, go listen to our friends over at Space Waffles and Kiki Waffle, by the way. Um, Those are all my notes, anyway. Everybody covered most of my notes, uh, except for two, two, oh, three of them. I, I kind of didn't think. I, I just, I love the little space family the aces are. Like, this is this is what I want more of. I, I want to know more about the aces. I want to know more about their relationships with each other. Like, Torrin Hype gets all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I want, like, like seeing, like, Griff and Freya's faces. Just, like, like so excited to be there for. Especially, like, Griff always just makes me laugh because he's not a smiler. So he has this, like, big smile on for Tora. And it shows how much, like, they really love this child. And, like, that's what I want more of, to see their relationships with them, too. So, like, yeah. Um, Notice how Tam, you know, there's a few times where there's stormtroopers down the hallway. Not once did Tam scream out for help or try to get get away from Vanessa or fight back against Vanessa because she knows that Vanessa is telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a tiny part of Tam that wants Vanessa to... That wants Vanessa to take her back to the Colossus. Yeah, no, I mean she was she was just at, you know the slightest push away from going with her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Vanessa gave her just every opportunity to the end. It was just like, oh, I got to stun her now. Okay, mm-hmm. got to do what I got to do. But I gave, gave her every every chance, you know, and and it was close. It was a close one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the final note that I have, and. Part of this goes into my first viewing of season two, but I always thought that Brooklyn was a very interesting character the first time I was going through season two because we had this scene with him almost getting 
shot down and Lieutenant Gallic was like, you should have died. You should have killed him, Tam. Like, that was the point. You should have murdered him. And I, and then we have this scene with Vanessa where she looks at him after he hesitates shooting her. Vanessa's like, you still have a heart. For a while there, the first time I was watching season two, I actually thought that Rucklin was going to leave first, that he was going to defect back to the Colossus first and have that redemption arc. And what I find really interesting is they keep giving him these scenes where he can either go home or double down. And he just keeps doubling down. He's into it. He's into he it. He really is. He he understands the bullshit of it. He understands all of it. And he's down for it. He's like, I've been training my whole life as an asshole for this moment. <laughs> to shine. Right. And, it is. It's like it's like a sociopath's. No, right. It's a sociopath's dream. He looks at it and he goes, oh, I get this. This is just bullshit. And it's about how I'm able to suck up to somebody till I'm able to put a knife in their neck. Well, duh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, and, I, and I think that's what's I think that's what's so interesting about Rucklin. Um, I mean, yeah, I was joking about like how he was a little shit and stuff like that. But I do actually think Rucklin's a very interesting character. Um, and so much of it is he goes against the grain. Like if you think of someone like Callus, you know, the, the, the Star Wars trope is redemption. You know, the, the thing would be like, this would be like the start of his redemption arc where he would like fight to get back to the Colossus, but he doubles down and yeah, that kind of goes against the grain of like traditional Star Wars characters. And that, that's what actually I really like about him. I think it would only... Affect. I think he could only be turned by something deeply personal happening to him, like, like his mom showing up or something. They blow the, his mom. Uh, they blow up his planet with his family on it. His mom and dad on it, and they're just like, yeah, well, you know, it would be like that scene in the original Superman in the Superman the movie where where uh, you know he's like, yeah, one one missile's headed towards the San Andreas fault. The other one's headed towards Hackensack, New Jersey, and his assistant goes, "But my mother lives in Hackensack." And he just looks at her and he like sort of shakes his head. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and like if if so, and and then she she rescues Superman after that to to save her mother. And like if they blew up his parents, I could see him turning back. But it would be as a as revenge more than like uh, a conscious he might you know he might get it in that moment he might get some basic idea of empathy or something at that moment and maybe be a good but like he's a he's a like that i mean they they portray him as a straight up just sort of like so like either way he needs an ass whooping like if he got <laughs> if, if he got turned beat his ass yes oh if he got turned back to the good side it would be because somebody just kicks his ever loving ass but if he's ever going to be a grand moff tarkin at some point somebody's going to have to hand his ass to him too you know so so uh you know so either way he's just cruising like that fucking ruckland's cruising for a bruising is all all i gotta say the first thought i had was like I would pay good money to see Kaz kick Ruckland's ass. But then I started thinking, I'm like, no, Kaz is too good of a person. Like, he is just a sweet boy. He he wouldn't do it. Now, fucking Orca and Flicks. 
or like Aunt Z, one of them would kick the no, shit. No, not Orca and Flicks, because Orca and Flicks, I don't, I don't think. Oh, I, like, I think no, they could drop someone ass. through the thing, but I don't think they would. I don't think they could really put their heart into a good ass whooping. Whereas Aunt Z, Aunt Z could just like Aunt Z's probably had a bunch of times where he's treated her like shit too in there. Or well, maybe not. He probably maybe doesn't hang out there, but like. No, no, he would have to hang out there and where he's acted like an insufferable ass. So she could just mop him up and down the, the bar. But I'm thinking of, uh, now I can't remember his name, the ex-Imperial uh, TIE fighter pilot. Ex-Imperial TIE fighter pilot. Yeah, with the, who oh, got... Chris, Grace. Chris, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a what, that's who I want to see kick, kick his ass, you know. I don't want to see some, I don't, I, you know... I don't want to see some Orca and Flicks like, this is for your own good. I want to see Grizz just, like, chuck him from one side of a room oh, to another Grizz and be like, you little, be like, you little piece shit. of shit. Yeah, somebody, somebody who's like, yeah, is just like, now I get to, uh, I've been waiting to work someone over for a long time and have not had an excuse, and this is one that will not weigh on my conscience. <laughs> I'm actually my fan fiction. <laughs> actually writing this into because whenever i go to post these on twitter i always look up what i what i wrote so i'm writing this one in so we talk about who beat ruckland's ass and chris ruins hopes you will see this on twitter (laughs) (laughs) but that's all i have for this episode did you have anything else no all right well score it up for me chris i gave it a nine i i really liked it It, 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 it's back to it it's not back to, but it's too, this is, this is what I, I mean, they also are sort of in, introduced, like last episode, they're introducing another very interesting character who we're not going to get to, to get a full, you know, take it full advantage of, but they advance the storyline in a, in a great, this is the kind of writing I like, you know, no wonder she's writing Bad Batch now, you know, this is that, this is that, that that kind of writing where they it's seamless and you know it's not until you start thinking about it, it that that uh you start seeing how seamlessly they work a lot of necessary and and just nice character things in there without even trying you know without projecting it or or being too you know and and yeah it's it's cla- classic What's what's so impressive too is this was Jennifer Corbett's first time writing Star Wars. Yeah, well, she's got a knack for it for sure. Absolutely. She's, she's not just got a knack for Star Wars. It's it's not even necessarily like a knack for Star Wars writing, but a knack for writing Star Wars in the Filoni verse mm-hmm. style, which is to make it seem like you got this nice little adventure going on, but it just like gets a lot of information. A lot of show and not tell, you know, heavy on the show and not tell. You know what I actually think? Noticing it, you know? You know what I think is, like, such a strength of Jennifer Corbett, actually? Um, She was the producer of NCIS. And with those police procedural shows, you often have, like, a character of a week. Because you have, like, the, the, you know, the murder victim or, like, the Plaintons. So you have to very quickly write a character who yes. is really sympathetic yeah. you like them right away you have to feel for them all within like 42 minutes and 
I feel like that's what this is. Like, here and, is Vanessa. Here's why you like her. You love her. She's gone. <laughs> and yeah, but and and also like, and she was and like not just a character of the week, but like it's like a character in the show. Their mother shows up or something, you know. So, because because even the, the she's incorporated like she's got the character of the week, but the character of the week is incorporated into two other three three other characters in the show. You know, uh, uh, Tora, Captain Doza, and Yeager, and you see all of it. You see, you see, you, you you get a sense of her relationship with her husband, with Yeager, and her daughter, and her relation to her. You know, to her the parts of her that are put into her. You know, have been put into her daughter, and all just through her her very natural dialogue of getting captured and escaping and that's that's it you know and but you can tell she's you know you know she's got a great relationship with with her husband Yeager yeah she likes Yeager but there's there's some you know and yeah it's 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 all very yeah yeah yeah. she's they're friends but she's also very aware of his faults and but you know you pick up all that but she's also aware that he was that he lost his daughter and was in mourning and as a mother like that's something that she probably never wants for torah is to lose her daughter so right but she also has a daughter and it's also hinted that like he lost his daughter through his brother's actions Right, right. So he's somehow involved in it. So like she probably has some feelings about that that are like, despite how she wants to feel about Yeager, she might just have some some mother feelings about like, so you know, somebody who ultimately put his daughter in, even though, you know, it wasn't really his fault. You know, there's still, you know, there's somebody he put his daughter in, in danger and lost his daughter and wife. So it's yes, but you know, all that we can have that whole conversation just from a few lines Mm -hmm. of dialogue, which just shows the talent. It just shows Jennifer's talent. Yeah. By the way, I rated it nine point five out of ten. I love the episode. This this might be my favorite episode of season two so far. I haven't decided yet, but it's up there. I've I've, I think I've got another nine in here somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'll figure it all out in the wrap up episode. The disappeared is still my favorite episodes of Resistance, but this gives this gives that episode a run for its money. This is a very good episode. So I think from now on I'm gonna call our season wrap up season prap ups. Oh. Pull out the ju- jumbo size show prep. At some point though, we're gonna have to like keep explaining to it every time we get to a new show what prep is. <laughs> there is a time where jokes no, run its course, but it's not inter- right now. This is the internet and we're talking to nerds, so we just have to do it like it's a mystery. So like we've left all the breadcrumbs for you to solve the, the mystery of prep, which it basically is just like keep listening to so people will be like, I just keep need to listen to Maybe if I listen to the next episode back. It was either three or four episodes ago, guys, that we invented this. So there yeah, you know. I, know. <laughs> I know. I wish we would have done it further back so people had to listen further back. But mm. what we, you know. That, but, yeah, that. I, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. So we're actually very close on this one. Well, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page, and also on the Two True Freaks website. This week, our feedback comes from uh, the Two True Facebook page for our Star Wars Resistance episode, Live Fire. 
Take it away, Chris. All right. Finally, I get to whip out the um, testing, <laughs> testing the echo again. Because this comment is from this letter comment. I'm assuming it was probably a Facebook comment. Is from uh, the 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 man who runs our Twitter feed, Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. The podcast machine. Did it, did, did, and the did, podcast Gene. machine too. He's met. He's met. He's he's uh, he's he's quite a collection of machines. Gene Hendricks is, is, if you had to define Gene Hendricks, it would be as a collection of machines. I was going okay. to say, like, somebody needs to go through and, like, write down all the machines that we've called Gene, and then I realized that Gene would be the person to do that. Well, so you Gene, know, Gene, eventually you know he's just, will just be like Gene, Gene, the Dusex Mach- Machina machine, which is redundant. Dusex Machina coming that'll from just cover, the sky. That'll just cover all the machines. He's just an all, pur- Gene, Gene, the all-purpose machine. How about that? You're the Swiss Army knife of Fully machines. Fully functional. Absolutely. Fully functional. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So Gene Hendricks says, the themes of teamwork, good. Bad and sacrificing troopers reminded me of the legend miniseries Crimson Empire that follows a rogue Imperial Guard post Return of the Jedi, but he has flashbacks to his training. During training, the guards were paired up, doing everything together and being graded as a team. The final exam was for the pair to fight to the death in front of the Emperor. And if they didn't fight to their utmost, they would both be killed. Bum, 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 by Darth sounds sounds about right. Sounds about right. Sounds like it was also there was sort of uh, um, one of the episodes of uh, the the first Clone Wars, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, had uh, Dooku doing that with a bunch of uh, potential potential. Uh, Lackeys and Ventress just wiping out all of them. Um, candy. It's that time. It is that time. So if you don't we're know, going we're going Though, Dario wrote Galt with a T as in Tom. So, but it looks like an F on our little package. So I don't know which it's, is right and which is wrong. Yeah, no, I think, I think. Mmm, oh. F and, anyway. T, F and T are very close on the keyboard, so. Uh, oh, look at how carefully my golf has been wrapped, too. By the way, guys, if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo, so his co-podcaster from Eat and Beat It podcast named Dario, he's a great friend of ours, we love him very much, sends us candy from all over the world to review, and this week we're having the golf oh. or Golt, and it's from Romania. This is like, oh, oh. bonbon. Oh, Oh my god. Oh my. Oh my god, it's so rich. I bit it in half and it's so fucking rich. Mmm. Mmm. There's little crispies what in it. What is that nougat? I thought it was going to be peanut butter. Mmm. But it's not. It's. But it's There's got crispies. little. It's got little rice krispies in it mm. too. I love krispies. I love rice krispies. I love mm. that the, the chocolate base of it is like fat. It's got a big mm. fat chocolate butt on it. Dario, mm, mm, mm. mm. oh my god! <laughs> I need like four more of these. It's so tiny. We haven't had a we haven't had a bonbon like candy in a long time. Yeah, gosh, I think it might have been early Rebel like Clone Wars. Yeah. 
Mm. Mm. It's a long time. Mm. It's mm. so hot here that I took it out of the freezer and it's already soft and. Same here. I'm just like, oh no, it's on my fingers. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you, Dario. We love you so much. Well, if you don't have anything else, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That's our website. Things are looking good. <laughs> mm. And uh, you can find all our our podcasts there, including including Day Guys and Jedi. Mm. Mm. I know, mm. right? I'm just still, like like licking it from my teeth. I'm like. Mm -hmm. And mm, you can also find us. <laughs> <laughs> You can also find us on Facebook where we have the Two True Freaks podcast where we post up all our episodes and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is more of a news thing. Pardon me while I whack my monitor because it's making buzzing noises. And uh, yeah, I'm a monitor whacker. Um, and uh, if you're feeling squirrely and want to go to Twitter, the aforementioned echo laden Gene Gene, the podcast machine. Gene, the podcast machine. Do 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 do. Gene, I expect echo. That I expect echo on that. I expect echo on that. Says the person who doesn't edit the podcast. <laughs> you don't have to. Do it. <laughs> Just to push of a button. I know, but still. <laughs> After the, the clap on, clap off, Darth Buggles, I need to like you know. Anyway, where can they find you, Hope? You can find us at JGuys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Mullinax. I have my website, geekgirlexperience.com, where I do all sorts of reviews and all sorts of fun things over there. And lately, I have also been writing reviews over at the Geeky Waffle. So please go check out the Geeky Waffle. They're a really great group of people. I love them to death, so, and I'm, I'm an honorary waffle, and I'm enjoying my work over there. And finally, me and Chris have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I make Chris watch my favorite animated shows, and we are wrapping up Gravity Falls, and soon we'll be doing Avatar, and we're having a good time with that over there. All right, well, if that's all, I guess I, I'm excited about next week, actually, because as much as I, on my first watch through, I didn't like this episode. You never one, know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I want to look at it with fresh eyes. I want to look at it with, like, knowing that this show doesn't function to change the finals, to change Star Wars. It functions on its own. I'm excited about talking with it with a guest. Because um, I, I think Eli, like, Eli's great. Like, he's going to bring us, like, a lot of great, pers like, perceptions. And perceptions. What? <laughs> perspectives. Um, so yeah, I'm actually really excited for next week, even though going into it, it's my least favorite episode of Resistance. But I'm also like really excited to talk about it. So yeah, I don't know. guys, come back next week. Next week's gonna be fun. Well, it's, it's always, always fun. exciting to see if it is actually your least favorite episode. Yeah. Of you never know. Sometimes on the second, the, I mean, it's gone both ways for a bunch of shows over the course of uh, J guys and, and Jedi history. And actually, I scoring actually pretty high season two even though i do think it's the weaker season mm -hmm. but i've been i've been tr making sure to look at episodes in a vacuum um opposed to g when i watched this the first time putting weight on every episode and i and i think that's what's helped me which is why it's so interesting is it like an upright vacuum or is it one of those like roll along 
Electrolux models? Um, I have like a hand vac, mm. you know, the little ones. Like I like like the one I have that's like super cheap, but it, you know, it it gets it, it picks up the kitty litter. Hmm. That's why we have to make our non-trailing litter prep. Doesn't it guys in Jedi? It picks up the kitty litter. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Lesson one, words. Do any of these words embarrass you? Shoe. Megaphone. Grunties. Now let's go on to something ruder. Wankel rotary engine.